Well, I'm going to start a three-part series. I've got tonight, I've got next Wednesday night, and then I think I have one more Wednesday night uh, before we go to Lima. And so I want to talk to you about a very important subject. Let's look at a text tonight from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you would, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you can give them a hand. They're... Amen. Thank God for faithful people who will come early and serve the Lord. I had a, a little appointment, you know, before service tonight. And I got here a little bit before quarter to seven. PT was already here. Christina was already here. The team was already here. We thank God for them. Amen. In Ecclesiastes chapter three. Now, Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for building up your people Through divine, divine utterance given by the Spirit of God. Open the eyes of our heart. Father, strengthen us. Encourage us tonight with your word and by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Okay, so let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I want to look at verses 1 through 8. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Don't miss your dancing time. A time to cast away stones and a a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. I want to talk to you. For the next three Wednesday evenings on the subject of seasons. Everyone say seasons. Seasons. What is a season? Well, a season basically equates a period of time. Okay? We live in time. And time is divided up into seasons. From Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. And you don't need to turn there. Let me quote it to you. He says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So we understand then that there are divisions to time. Light, for example, divided the day from the night. Amen. Seasons divide days from years. I think it would pay us rich dividends if we could begin to view life through the focus point or through the lens of seasons. As we go through life, we go through several seasons. And sometimes in life, we're at several seasons at the same time. Some seasons are good. You can be going through an awesome season in your marriage, but kind of a lousy season with your employment. 
You can be going through a tremendous season in a certain area and then not so good a season in another area. Can you relate to that? Now, I believe this, that if we are now in somewhat of an undesirable season, we need to tell ourselves this is just a season. This season will not be forever. This season is subject to change. This season has an expiration date. And how we deal with the seasons of our lives will also determine the quality of our lives. It's so vital that we don't allow ourselves to get stuck in a season. I've been through some seasons in my life, quite frankly, that I thought would never end. It seemed like an unending battle in a certain area. And I'll be honest with you, there were times during that season where I almost gave up hope. And I felt like throwing in the towel. But someone on the inside of me just wouldn't let me. Someone on the inside of me wouldn't give up on me. When you're tempted to give up and you're tempted to throw in the towel, remember that the greater one lives on the inside of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. His hand is upon your life. His eye is upon the sparrow. Amen. I just thought I preach for a while. And so we do not want to turn this into a top that test terrible season testimony service because I could tell you some seasons I've had, but you could probably top it with what you've had. And maybe you could top it with something that you're going through right now. The bottom line is this. We are going through. Don't let your current circumstances become permanent fixtures in your life. Don't let your current circumstances become permanent fixtures in your life. If you do, here's what you will surrender. You will surrender your hope. And I discovered a scripture that when hope is deferred, when we give up, when we, when we throw in the towel, when, when hope is deferred, hope has nothing for faith to feed. But also, it causes the heart to be sick. It causes the heart to stoop. And when the birds are singing and the sun is shining on a beautiful day like we saw in the Bay Area today, sometimes we don't even notice it. Because we've lost our hope. You see, one translation says of, I believe it's Proverbs 13, 12. He says, unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. But, but, a sudden good break can turn life around. A breakthrough For you can turn your life 
around. And so that's why you don't want to give up. Because sometimes right before your biggest breakthroughs comes the most pressure to give up. Say with me, God's given me a breakthrough. So what I had in my spirit tonight is, is to talk about standing against despondency. Standing against despondency. Actually talking to your circumstances. Now, your circumstances are talking to you. Your mountain is talking to you. I think it's high time we start talking back. And start speaking to the circumstances in our lives and speaking to the mountains that face us in our lives. Come on. We need to understand the power of faith-filled words. The power of having a good, encouraging word for yourself. And a good, encouraging word to yourself. You know, David did that. David came back to the city of Ziklag. And Ziklag in the Hebrew means a city that was overwhelmed with grief. And there was great grief in that city. And the atmosphere was charged with sorrow because the ites had come in and had ripped off their children and ripped off their wives. And the men were so upset that they even spoke of stoning their leader, David. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. There is an art that we must learn. It's called the art of encouraging ourselves. It's called the art of keeping ourselves stirred and keeping ourselves lifted. And that comes through the word. It comes through praise. It comes through speaking faith-filled promises in your midnight hour. You're not going to become a permanent fixture in my life now. Now, you showed up for a season, but your season's coming to an end now. You've got to go in Jesus' name. Now, instead of resisting that, Monday Christians are assisting that by talking about the problem and magnifying the difficulty. Listen, as long as the difficulty is magnified, the Lord will just Stand by and let it happen. He's looking for your faith. He's waiting for you to lift up your voice. Amen. No matter how much the enemy might come against you, he can't take your hope if you won't let him. He can't take your hope. As long as I have hope, I have possibilities. <laughs> because everything seen out here is subject to change except God and except His Word. Amen. Look with me over at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. I want to look at the message translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 16 through 18. We're going to look at the message This is our confession. So we're not giving up. How could we? You 
could we ever give up? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. Yet on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without your unfolding grace. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's look at the next verse. Look at this. I love this, how it says this. These hard times are small potatoes. They're small potatoes compared to what? Compared to the coming good times. And the lavish celebration prepared for us. That's talking about a future time. But I want to say this to you tonight. You don't have to wait for a future time to have a lavish celebration. You can start celebrating now. Next verse, verse 18. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now, they're going to last forever. Can I hear a good shout tonight? Glory to God. So put your hope in the promises of God that will last forever, not the problems which are gone tomorrow. So the question would be asked, then what is hope? Well, hope is simply having a confident and favorable expectation. It is an expectation of something that is strongly desired based on the word of God. Hope, we could say, is the happy anticipation of good. The happy anticipation of good. And God is good. So hope then is the happy anticipation of our good God showing up and changing things on our behalf. So then, learn how to live with a confident, favorable expectation. Amen. You know, as as much as I, I love my close friends and as much as I love my best friend, which is my wife, uh, I have discovered this, that it, it is my responsibility to keep my hopes alive. I can be encouraged by others concerning my hopes, but I've got to keep it alive. It, 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 hopes have the tendency to fade. Look with me at First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Subject to change, 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 subject to change. Ha, ha, ha. Subject. Subject. The devil is subject to us. We are not subject to him. Sickness is subject to us. We are not subject to it. Hallelujah. Poverty is subject to us. We are not subject. He has put all things in subjection. Under his feet. I think I could run right now. Amen. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten, unto a, begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope. And that living hope is in direct proportion to the resurrection Of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow. Didn't it look like all hope was gone? It might have felt like all hope was gone to the disciples. They were huddled up in that little room. And then Jesus just kind of comes walking in through the wall. Glory to God. 
Don't you know that that kind of stirred them up? Don't you know that that sort of just encouraged them? That living hope, that lively hope comes directly from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If he's raised him from the dead and he's raised you from the dead, there is no dead circumstance that God will not quicken and raise you up out of. Now notice this in the message translation. It says there in the same verse of 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3 it says, We've been born into a new life that has a confidence which is alive because Jesus Christ has come back to life. Hallelujah! Because He has come back to life, I can have a comeback in my life. Okay, so you're in a season. You're, You're tired of the season that you're in. Some seasons are good. Some seasons are challenging. You've been going through, you can go through certain, several seasons at the same time. But remember, the season that is bad, it's got to change. It's got to change. Now, one thing that we really need to do is we need to hold our mind in check. Because you know your mind will be tempted to waver. Your mind can be unstable if it is not rooted and grounded in the anchor of God's Word. The book of Isaiah says it this way. He says that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. I found a verse over in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 in the Amplified. I want to just read this to you because we're talking about not giving up. Not letting go of our hope. Not letting them fade away. In Hebrews 6.19 in the Amplified it says, We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It can't slip. It can't break down. It can't slip or break down under whoever or whatever steps upon it. A hope that reaches farther And enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. What does an anchor do? Hope is your anchor. It's something that is serving to hold an object firmly in place. Hope serves as an anchor to your soul and keeps you from drifting. And it keeps your soul at rest in a turbulent season. When the storms of life come, that hope based on your covenant of hope will hold you steady. It'll hold you steady. And it will keep you adrift. You know this? If we really believe that things will change and that this season can't last forever, there's no reason for us to lose any sleep. If we really believe That this season that we're going through is subject to change. We will rest in Him. And we'll say, Lord, I cast all my cares on You. I refuse to carry the weight 
of this care. I'm not going to allow the cares of this life entering in to my soul and choke the Word of God out. Say it with me. I'm keeping hope. I'm keeping hope alive. And so then hope will keep your emotions stable. How many of you know the passage of time is a major dream thief? But true Bible hope will anchor our soul and keep us from casting away our confidence. Seasons. Everyone say seasons. Now, here's another thought about seasons. Don't allow yourself to get stuck in a season. It's possible to miss something that God wants to do. We could say a new season because we're so attached and stuck to the season we're in. How many of you have ever driven along and you, you were looking for a certain sign or a certain exit and you drove past it? I can remember one time I had an appointment real early in the morning in San Francisco and I had to get up real early and Brenda wasn't with me. My navigator wasn't there. And uh, I went so far beyond the exit that I was supposed to get off on that I ended up in a place that I'm sure I wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. I ended up in a place that I, I absolutely did not want to be. And it brought stress into my life because I knew I had to be somewhere else at a certain time. Otherwise, I would miss my appointment or my divine connection or my new season. Are, are you listening to me? And so then, on the highway of life, if you will... It pays rich dividends to be paying attention to the signals and the signs that your leader, the Holy Spirit, has given to you on the inside. How many of you have ever gotten off the wrong exit before? (laughs) I think sometimes in life, when that happens, we end up going through places... In certain situations that God never intended for our lives. Make sure you don't miss your exit. Be aware. Be led by the Spirit of God. Now, another important point about seasons is this. Is many people fail to learn lessons in seasons that they're currently going through. And they fail to learn lessons... Of the season that they have just gone through. I want to say to you this. Every season takes its turn. And every season comes to an end. Okay. We're just about ready to enter into what season? The fall season. I love uh, the Minnesota area. That's where I grew up. It's a beautiful area. Especially this time of year. Now you don't want to live there. Uh, from about Thanksgiving till June. Because old man winter can be really, really nasty. You know, when, when you start getting blizzards on Valentine's Day and then the next one, it gets, winter gets long. 
Let's just put it this way. When the Minnesota Twins get snowed out on opening day in April, you know it's a long winter. But there is, there's just something about the change of seasons. We, we feel it here, and, and we sense it here. I can feel it, and I can sense it here. But you can really feel it, and you can really sense when fall is in the air. I mean, the, the leaves start changing, and the colors are just magnificent. It is absolutely, I won't say breathtaking, but it's beautiful. Because there's a, there's a change. How many of you know the Bible says that the Holy Spirit wants to change us? And that one of His offices or one of the things that He does is He takes us from glory to glory. If you will, if we follow our leader well and we're led by Him well, He will take us from one season of glory to the next season of glory. How many of you ever sense in your spirit there's just a new season coming? There's something coming. There's something happening. God is up to something. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know that it's God and I know that it's good and I am anticipating great things. Amen. No winter lasts forever. Thank God. No spring will skip its turn. Learn the secrets of going through different seasons. There are secrets. There are principles in the Word of God that tell us how to conduct ourselves in a season that, quite frankly, we would rather not be going through. And every one of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. I used to think, when I was a baby Christian, I used to think that once I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, that I would never, ever have another challenge. (laughs) And you know why I thought that? Because I just had felt so bad for so many years. And when Jesus came into my life and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I felt so good. I mean, I really felt good. It's like what I said and what the psalmist said. He said, oh, taste and see the Lord is good. But now in life then, there are challenges. Jesus said there would be. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. In the world, there will be tests. There will be things that we'll be facing. But thank God he didn't stop there. He said, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. He not only told us what was coming, but he told us how to overcome what was coming. And that is powerful. So there is certain conduct, certain ways that we conduct ourselves in difficult seasons that quite frankly will determine in some cases how long that season will last. Now you take the children of Israel, for example, for all you Bible scholars here tonight, how long did it take them to go through the wilderness to the promised land? 40 years. years. Okay. Now I'm not a Bible scholar, but I can read 
I discovered through doing some reading and some research that that trip, had they just gone right through the wilderness to the promised land, would have only taken them nine to ten days. How does a nine to to ten day journey turn into a 40 year event? Well, it just must have been the will of God. He was out there teaching them in the wilderness some, some real deep lessons. I don't think so. There were things that they brought on themselves during that season that lengthened their season. And, and we don't need to, to go in and, and take a look what some of those things are because we studied those things throughout the years. But I know this. That how we conduct ourselves and what our attitude is in the midst of an uncomfortable season oftentimes determines the length of that season. So how do we conduct ourselves in those tough times? I've, I've never figured out how God could change his mind so many times in some of my pastor's friends' lives. You know... And I'm not putting anybody down, but it's kind of like one day they're called to pastor over in San Francisco. And they're there six months and they say, well, the Lord changed his mind. <laughs> or no, I'm, I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to take fire to the nations. And then three or four months later, no, I'm called to be a Bible teacher in a Bible school. No, I don't think the Lord changes his mind. I think that sometimes people just don't endure the difficult times long enough to get to the other side of the season and to get their breakthrough. Now, there is a, there's a word called endurance that is scriptural. It's a word that Paul told his student, his young son in the faith, Timothy. He says, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. He said... Endure hardness as a good soldier. And no man that warreth will entangle himself with the affairs of this life. So that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. I discovered a long time ago, my life is not my own. I don't go where I want to go. Somebody say, well, pastor, why don't you preach this? I don't preach what I want to preach. Why? Because I'm under command. Under His headship. And under His Lordship. So there is, there is a power of endurance. But the neat thing about enduring difficult times is you don't have to tough it out and grit your teeth and get all, you know, all just bent out of shape. The grace of God's there for you. The grace of God will enable you to stand. The grace of God will enable you to endure. The grace of God will take you from point A to point B. The grace of God will see you through until you get your breakthrough. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Endure. Be content. Trust God. Enjoy life. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12. Getting anything yet? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Apostle Paul. Wow. What a man of God, right? What an awesome example he was. And really still is today. Because we have so much in the Word of God concerning his life and concerning how he conducted himself in a difficult season. And it doesn't get much worse than being beaten with rods and being stoned and suffering shipwreck and being a night and a day in the deep and journeys often and perils waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren. In perils among false brethren it's probably got to be one of the worst. So the Apostle Paul The man of God, how many of you know he heard from God? And he had what Bible scholars call the Pauline revelation of who we are and what we have and what we can do in Christ Jesus, who Christ is in our lives. And I want you to notice something here. In verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Say revelations. Revelations. Did Paul get revelation? Do you think that the devil wanted Paul to get that revelation over to the churches? Absolutely not. And it says here, lest I should be exalted above the measure through the abundance of revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now notice with me. Notice that this thorn in the flesh was not a messenger of God. It was a messenger of Satan. Satan is the season hinderer. Satan is the breakthrough hinderer. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Look at verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Notice what the Lord's response was in verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace. Everyone say grace. Grace. He said, my grace, it's not insufficient, but my grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the operational power of God. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God being God in the midst of a difficult season and saying, son and daughter, my grace is all you need. So you hold steady and you hold fast and don't you dare give up because when you're weak, you are strong by my grace. Notice this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, God is saying, is made perfect in your weakness. Now notice the Apostle Paul's reaction to this. He got it. He said, most gladly, therefore... 
I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now pull verse 9 up in the Amplified Version and notice this with me what it says there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, notice the Apostle Paul's response and how the Amplified Version uh, makes that so clear. He says, Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses. We could say it in the context of tonight's message. Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in this difficult season that I'm in right now. And the infirmities. Why? That the strength and the power of the Christ, the Messiah, may rest. Yes, may pitch a tent over me and dwell upon me. Woo! Glory to God. I've discovered that His grace is greater than anything. His grace is a tangible power. His grace will be through with you right in your midnight hour. His grace will lift you. It'll come upon you and enable you to endure things that you thought you'd never be able to endure. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter the third chapter. And notice with me, notice with me in First Peter chapter 4, excuse me, verse 12, how are you conducting yourself in a difficult time? You know, it's easy to shout while the walls are down. But it's not so easy to shout while the walls are still staring you in the face. I, got, I thought about it today, you know. I, I, got, I got the news that we, we made our payment on Monday. You know. And I thought about it today. I said, I said, thank you. I felt like dancing. I, I felt like I was 10 feet off the ground. Because we got another victory. We got another victory. Another win beneath our belt. But then I thought about it. Well, that's great to feel that way now. But you ought to act that way every day of the month. And you know, it ain't so easy. It ain't so easy. But it's possible. Sometimes, folks, you just got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you just got to put on the garment of praise. Sometimes you feel like you're putting on. But if you'll put on the garment of praise by faith, it won't be long before the grace of God comes upon you and strengthens you and enables you. Hallelujah. Now, in, uh, we need to move real quick here because we're running out of time. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Don't get stuck in a season. He said here in verse 12, But beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Well, I'm spirit-filled. These things aren't supposed to happen. No, you're spirit-filled and you're more aware of the spirit world than you ever were before. And you are a target. 
But when the grace of God is on you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Brenda's sister up there in Benton City, Washington, they pastor an Assembly of God church up there. And uh, there was a man found dead in their parking lot. And uh, evidently, some young kids, 18, 19 years old, evidently it was some sort of a drug deal. This guy was in his 50s. Evidently, he owed them money. And, uh, you know, I don't, won't go into all the detail how they killed him, but it was pretty gruesome. And so right there on their church property between the sanctuary and the, and the youth room, the youth arcade, the youth modular, was this dead body laying there. Well, that'll give your congregation a lot of warm and fuzzies. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll really help the Sunday morning service. But last week, we were sitting on the couch, and, and, and Linda called, and something on the inside of me just stirred up and told them to give them this message and how that they were to conduct themselves in front of their congregation. Because if the leader's down and the leader's wearing a frown, what hope is there for the sheep? If the leader's not strong in the midnight hour, I mean, if I would have had a nervous breakdown about these termites... And you have to go over and visit me in some mental institution? What kind of a leader is that? Huh? Leaders got to be strong. But not just pastor leaders. I'm talking about spiritual leaders in their homes. Got to be strong. You've got to conduct yourself with some honor and with some authority and keep your shoulders back. When you'd rather cry. And tuck tail and be a wimp. <laughs> anyway, so, so notice this now. Verse 12, beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you. So some strange thing happened unto you. The devil doesn't like churches. What he would like to do with Stan and Linda Smith's church up there in Benton City is to paralyze the congregation with fear. Now, I don't know whether I can go on that property anymore because someone died there. Last time I checked, the mortality rate in the earth is 100%. And even though that's not a good thing, and even though it's not a God thing, come on now. God can take something bad and turn it around for something good. The tables can be turned on what Satan means for evil in your life. And it can be turned around for God. And you can have a revival in your life. And so I, I you know, just encouraged them, Brenda. I instructed them. You just get up in front of that congregation. And you start using the name above every name. You start pleading the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over your property. And you tell those people there that what Satan meant for evil, God's going to turn around for good. In some way, somehow, we're going to have revival in the midst of this situation. 
Verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is try you. So some strange thing happened to you. But, here's a thought. Rejoice. Count it all joy. Oh, pastor, you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I'm reading the word. But rejoice. I told you about the hallway we have at home, didn't I? We've got a hallway upstairs. We've got a four-bedroom home. We call it Hallelujah Hallway. Or we call it Ha Ha Hallway. Get a bad report at church and say, just put the phone down. I'm heading to Ha Ha Hallway. And I'll go one way and Brenda will go the other way. We'll be dancing and shouting and rejoicing, giving each other a high five. Well, do you feel like doing that? No, I don't. But does it make you feel better later? Yes, it does. There's something about that. I mean, it's easy to come to church and get all drunk and, you know, full of the Holy Ghost and feeling God. But how about at home? But rejoice in as much you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Now, the sufferings that he's talking about there are not the sufferings that he suffered for us on the cross. But the sufferings he's talking about there are the sufferings that he went through because he faced pressure. He faced pressure. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And here's the scripture we gave them. You tell your people, if you be reproached for the name of Christ... Happy are you for the spirit of glory and the spirit of God will rest upon you. Do you know what that is? When the spirit of God, the spirit of glory rests on you in a difficult season, that's God being good to you. And that's God pouring his grace out upon you to help you endure anything that hell throws your way. Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Let's give the Lord a shout tonight. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Next week we're going to start out with Exodus chapter 3. Never leave a season empty handed. When you come out of that difficult time, go grab you some of the spoils that the Egyptians have hanging around their house. And don't you leave a season empty handed. It's harvest time for those that will endure, for those that will lean heavily upon the grace of God. Be strong. Lift your hands and say this with me. I'm strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Pray this with me, Heavenly Father. I thank you that your grace, it is sufficient for me. In a difficult time, I will rejoice. And I'm expecting the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory to rest strong upon my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, right now I stretch forth my hand toward my brothers and my sisters. I pray, Lord God, 
for the Holy Spirit to minister to every person right now. Oh, Brekiste, just form me in about groups of two or three or four and pray for one another right now. Pray for one another. Identify what a need might be, whether someone needs healing, someone needs supernatural intervention in their finances. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for lifting your people. Thank you, Father, for this new season for Josh and Christina. Just identify what the need might be, whether it be healing. We call upon the grace of God. We call upon the anointed one and his anointing to minister health, to minister life to each and every person. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, we lift our voice and thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. I have a scripture that just came to me, and I'm not sure who it's for, but I believe it be it is for those that are head of houses, head of homes. You might be a single parent. Um, you may be a man, you may be a woman. If you're a single parent and, and you're a woman and you've got kids, I just believe that just on the inside, I mean, this scripture just rose up. It's Jude 24. Jude 24. And it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And I believe this, that the way that you conduct yourselves when those reports come to you is what your children and your offspring will see and it is what will be imparted to them for their future. He is able to keep you from falling apart is what I really have. He's able to, to, to as Hebrews says, He is able to uphold you by the word of His power. And your attitude should be demonstrated in such a way that it honors God, but with the spirit of faith and by the grace of God, encouraging those young ones around you and say, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. It doesn't look good right now, honey, but we're going to make it. God's, God's working. God is moving. We're, we're going to make it. There's going to be food in our cupboard. Employment is knocking on our door. We're, we're going to make it. That's the kind of attitude you've got to have. As for me and my house, we're going to make it. Say it with me. I'm going to make it. 
I'm going to make it. My family is going to make it. I'm going all the way, all the way to the finish line. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm not going to fall down. I'm not going to fall apart. I'm going to make it. Woo, glory to God. All the way. All the way. We're going all the way through. We're not going to go part of the way through. We're going all the way to the other side. We are going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to my finish line. How about you? I'm going to make it to dead freedom. How about you? How far are we going? Part of the way? How far? How far? How far? We're going all the way. We're going to make it. We got the way maker working for us. Hallelujah. We're going to make it. I'm going to make it. I am going to make it. How about you? You're going to make it? (laughs) We're going to make it. As a church, we're going to make it. We're going to fulfill everything God's called us to do. We're going to have days of heaven on earth. We are going to make it. Well, if you believe you're going to make it, give your neighbor a high five. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, we're going to make it. Woo! You may be seated.